0: In this first hour today, let's talk politics with the founding editor of Jacobin and president of The Nation magazine, Bhaskar Sankara. Bhaskar, how are you today, sir? I'm
1: good. I'm good. It's been a while. It's a it's, pleasure.
0: It's been a while. It's a pleasure. Uh, for me, uh, happy new year, having talked to you in the new season. So uh, good to hear your voice and glad to have you back on this program. Let me just jump right in and make the most of this hour that we have. A whole lot of trending stuff politically that I want to talk about. I guess the first question is whether, to your mind, it is fair to ask whether or not the Republican race is done. Is it over?
1: I think it's already uh, long over, and I think it just shows that there was a void in the Republican Party, and Donald Trump has filled it. You know, Donald Trump is what Republican voters want. He might not be what the Republican establishment wants, but he has commanding support of his coalition. And you look what we have on our side of, of politics, on the progressive side of politics you know, we have a much looser coalition. It seems like the Republicans have really solidified under Trump, and that makes me very nervous as someone who thinks that Donald Trump in power is the last thing this country needs.
0: Yep. There are a couple of things you said just there that I want to unpack right quick or give you a chance to unpack. The first is when you say the GOP, this, this, this race being over, or to use your phrase, having been over, um, underscores a void in the GOP. Unpack that word void for me as you as you use it.
1: Yeah, I think as a a whole, there used to be a point where party elites could decide elections or at least pick nominees and really stack things um, in a certain way. You know, you had, obviously, on on our side of the aisle, you know, we had Democratic Party machine politics in, in cities that can mobilize voters and provide an outlet for representation and sometimes represent them well, sometimes represent those voters poorly. Um, on the Republican side, you, you had much the same thing with the Wall Street and Country Club side, uh, you know, putting together their coalition, putting together kind of pro-business, friendly establishment types. So look at uh, George Bush Senior. You know, he came out of the the CIA. You know, he was a company Washington man, you know, through and through. You had Reagan, who was a huge part of that, um, you know, grassroots sort of right-wing reactionary turn in California. Uh, politics before uh, be- uh, becoming the presidential candidate, you know, it seemed like there was at least a certain type of person that would become the Republican Party nominee. You know, Bob, Bill, Paul Ryan. Um, um, you go on and on, Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Um, but Trump has really blown everything up, and right now it's just Trump, Trump's party. You know, either you're a Trumpist or you're or you're not. And all the Republicans who aren't are just running around pretending to, that they were on Trump's side all along. You know, this the DeSantis is uh, uh, kind of groveling at Trump's feet after Trump's been doing nothing but attacking him in vicious personal ways for months and months and months, uh, I think tells you everything about the Republican Party. It really is just Trump's uh, party. There's no moderate wing of the Republican Party. There's no uh, regular business wing. There's just Trump supporters and basically nothing else.
0: Bhaskar Sankar is uh, a leading voice for democratic socialism in this country. He is the president of The Nation magazine. Just getting started here, when we come forward, I know two or three things I want to put to him right away. Uh, One is um, how he imagines, now that we uh, all assume, that Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee, he's he's running the table. Iowa, New Hampshire, what's next? I don't know. But he'll, he'll run the table, it appears to me at least. Uh, and so it raises a, a provocative question, which is, and we've never seen this before, obviously. This is all new for us in this country. How does one campaign from court? Because increasingly he's going to be in these courtrooms. Uh, he's, I think, successfully going to run the clock out. Uh, I personally don't see a conviction that's going to matter between now and Election Day. Um, given the strategy of delay, 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 these, uh, his lawyers are using, uh, and invoking quite nicely, but how does one campaign for president from a courtroom? Then there's a question that uh, Bosco teased up for me. He said earlier that uh, progressives have a more loose coalition. That is true. Our coalition is much looser. We progressives. I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. You've got Cornel West out there, of course. You've got uh, RFK running. You've got Dean Phillips running against Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination, which he will not win, but he's running. So we'll talk about what it means that on the progressive side, our coalition is looser. Not sure I'm feeling that. Just getting started with Bosco Sankara on Tavis Smiley. This is
2: getting good. Yeah, man. Tavis Smiley, Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. 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 He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. So, Bhaskar
0: Sankara from The Nation Magazine. I was discussing this with somebody else on this program earlier this week. So many guests, um, so many hours. Um, uh, such a bad memory. So, I don't recall who I was talking to. But I was talking to somebody about this this week. And we were we were we were trying to uh, trying to figure out how the media, the mainstream media, which I think has done a really, really poor job of covering Donald Trump anyway. I mean, you, you don't don't get me on my soapbox. I'm, I'm still mad at our colleagues in the mainstream media for allowing Donald Trump, in fact, helping to make Donald Trump president. All that free media they gave him. Bernie couldn't get Bernie couldn't get no attention. But they gave Donald Trump all this free media. I've said it again. Uh, at the time, Chuck Todd hosted Meet the Press and other friends of mine hosting these uh, Sunday morning talk shows, on which I appeared thousands of times, uh, would let Donald Trump call in on his cell phone and put a picture of him up on the screen. I mean, you got, you're got running for president. And they had never heretofore allowed someone such easy access to the airways. It didn't matter where he was. He could be in a bathroom, sitting on a toilet. And I'm sure he was at some point. But if he called in to meet the press or face the nation or this week, they would put him on. Everybody wanted Donald Trump. He was he was ratings gold. Uh, and He was clickbait. And so the mainstream media, I still fault in large measure uh, for, for for fertilizing the ground that allowed Donald Trump to be elected. That's just me. So they did a horrible job uh, a few years ago uh, ushering him into the White House. And then when he turned on them, then they turned on him. And so now you can't get a positive story about Donald Trump in the media because the media is sick of the way he turned on them. Imagine that. So that's just a short short form way of, of, of saying to you that my view is that the mainstream media has done a horrible job of covering Donald Trump. And I'm trying to imagine how, one, he campaigns from courtrooms all across this country between now and November. Uh, I can see him using that to his advantage. I'll let you respond in your own way. But how does he campaign from a courtroom? And what's your view on how we, those of us in the media, are obliged to cover him this time around, given these very, very unique circumstances?
1: Well, I think Trump, compared to his last campaign, and you're absolutely right. The media created Donald Trump. Um, he boosted their ratings with his unorthodox style. And, you know, uh, I, forgot, I forgot who. It was some, some comedian. Maybe it was Chappelle, maybe it was someone else who, who said, you know, Donald Trump, people, you know, liked him because, you know, he was a liar, but he was a liar who, um, you know, told you that he was a liar, right? <laughs> and, and in an era of extreme skepticism about politics, you know, hearing someone say, yeah, I cheat on my taxes. I do it because, uh, you know, everyone should do it. I'm smart. Or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I have. Um, you know, I, I, I um, gave money to these uh, Democrats that I claimed to hate. I did it because I was smart. You know, mm. so that, that sort of stuff, I think, it had some sort of visceral appeal, even for people who didn't like Donald Trump, didn't like what he stood for, didn't like the, the racism and xenophobia behind so much of, of Trumpism. You know, we... I think couldn't look away, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the media. I think it was ordinary people too, couldn't look away, even if we were out there campaigning against them, uh, you know, a few months down the road in a general. Uh, I personally, I thought that You know, this is a, this is an interesting ride, but someone's going to stop it. You know, someone in the Republican Party, they're going to get together, they're going to sit down in a room, some dark smoke filled room, and and put Marco Rubio in charge, or someone who would be, you know, from a policy standpoint, almost equally as bad, but, but at least, uh, we wouldn't be worrying about him, you know, launching a nuclear warhead uh, on, you know, Korea or something like that, you know. But I, I think, I think that with, um, with this cycle, Trump doesn't need to be as face-forward as he was the first time around. He doesn't need to call in everywhere. You saw that he ducked the chance to be in Republican debates. That's not like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. They all Donald Trump would love to be in a debate just to make jokes on, um, uh, on um, you know, his opponents. That, 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 that was, I, I think this is unusual. I think him being in court won't really hurt him. Because everybody knows who Joe Biden is. Everyone knows who Donald Trump is. We're in an extremely polarized country. I think this is going to be the strangest election season ever. I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone's going to really be talking to each other or campaigning. Mm
0: -hmm. I I think that his campaigning from courtroom, he will use, um, uh, take my word in the the context that I'm offering you, he will use his campaigning from court brilliantly. Uh, and nobody, frankly, could do it better than Donald Trump. And every time he's in a courtroom and every time he goes off on a judge and every time he disrespects the judge and says crazy stuff and that makes headlines, it just it's red meat to his base. It just reminds them every time he does it that he's being persecuted by the government. He's being persecuted by the Democrats. He's being persecuted by the media. I believe that he's going to campaign from court as mm-hmm. often as he can. And he's going to work it brilliantly.
1: I'm so dangerous, they're trying to get me to the courts. They can't beat me. Thanks, That's, right. That's where I think right. this does feed, feed into his narrative, and it makes him this establishment billionaire who's done so much harm in his life, at every level of his life, every stage of his life, done so much harm, including in power, he gets to present himself once again as this anti-establishment figure.
0: Yep. And as long as he's campaigning from court and presenting himself as an anti-establishment figure... And presenting himself as a victim of all these entities trying to destroy him... Um, how do Democrats respond to that? How does Joe Biden campaign against that kind of narrative? As you recall, four years ago when Joe Biden was campaigning, he campaigned basically from a bunker in Wilmington, in in, in Delaware. I mean, it was it was in the in the midst of the pandemic, he rarely he, he rarely uh, left that room to go out and campaign anywhere. It's very different this time around, and he's obviously aging. So how how swiftly, how fast he can move, and how much ground he can cover, it, we shall see. But how do Democrats? How does the president, the sitting president, campaign against a guy who's going to uh, again wrap himself in this anti-establishment uh, 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 garment and play victimhood from courtroom between now and November?
1: Uh, I think there's no good answer to that because I think we both know that Joe Biden can't really campaign against anyone, and mm. and this is and this is unfortunate because I don't like. Joe Biden, I don't know, like a lot of what he's done historically, what he's stood for. I think he's been a mediocre at best president, but he's much better than Donald Trump. And most importantly, the people who would potentially get him elected for a second term are going to be the pop- the popular you know forces that he can't completely turn his back on. Whereas the Republican Party, if Trump gets elected, he'll know that he has... Big business and a bunch of racists, quite frankly, to, to, to thank for it. You know, I think um, even more than before, when, uh, you know, he presents himself as kind of a, a vaguer, um, you know, populist figure, I think this campaign, people already know what they're going to get from Donald Trump because we've already lived through four years of, um, of, of Donald Trump. But Biden really is not an effective communicator anymore. And as a result, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, we have a bunch of big football games, you know, coming up. It's like a prevent offense, uh, prevent defense, you know, is more or less, uh, how, um, how I would describe, um, you know, the Biden attempt. Let's keep our head down. Let's not give him too much media appearances. Let's, uh, keep his speeches as short as possible. Let's make sure he doesn't, you know, quote unquote appear old. Whereas I, I think that if Biden was more out there, all his foibles, you know, as is, him kind of losing train of thoughts or acting a bit, you know, quite frankly, senile from time to time, I think that would be much better out, off than um, this attempt to kind of hide Biden because he doesn't really have any popular surrogates either.
0: Yeah. Um, to your point of, uh, uh, of his uh, uh, alleged or potential or actual senility, I do not know. I'm not his doctor. Um, there was a story that, that, that broke yesterday that was circulating everywhere. You probably saw it. Uh And the story suggested that uh, the Obamas, uh, Barack and Michelle, uh, uh, believe that Joe Biden has sort of hit a wall uh, in terms of his mental acuity, in terms of his senility, and that they have been quietly uh, trying to get him to uh, recuse himself, as it were, from this nomination, step aside and let someone else uh, run. Because long-term, it's doing damage to the party. It's doing damage to our chances of winning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you get the narrative. I do not know whether that story yesterday uh, that people have been talking about for the last 24 hours is true. I don't know what the Obamas have said or not said. But what do you make of the fact that stories like that are circulating, that there are people at that level? We all saw David Axelrod, who ran the Obama campaign. This, uh, if, if Barack and Michelle have been doing this very quietly behind the scenes, trying to get him to step aside... It wouldn't be completely un, 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 unfathomable, uh, unreasonable, unbelievable. In part because we know David Axelrod, who ran the Obama campaign, did it quite brilliantly. I must say, um, publicly has said that the president needs to step aside. This is Axelrod, and when he, said, when he said stuff. When he said stuff. Everybody listens. So Axelrod publicly, weeks and weeks ago said that, I'm a friend of Joe Biden. I was involved in the Obama campaign, helping to select him as Barack Obama's running mate. But I'm at a point now, I'm paraphrasing, that I believe it's in the best interest of the Democratic Party for the president to step aside and let somebody else run. That's the sentiment that Axelrod went public with. Now we hear that privately, that the Obamas behind the scenes are trying to do their part to get Joe to reconsider this. What do you make, again, of that kind of story circulating even?
1: Well, I don't know about Michelle, but let's not forget that it was Barack Obama's intervention that got Joe Biden the presidency or the nomination of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. at least. You know, it, it was it was Obama who convened um, Buttigieg and, and Harris and um, other Democratic Party nominees and basically said everybody needs to line up behind Biden or else we're going to get Bernie Sanders in power. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for for some of what Obama at least has done post presidency, um, and you know when you hear his tone and disposition, you compare it to Donald Trump. Of course, you know even the most ardent opponents of of uh, many of the things that Obama did, including the things he wanted to do and wasn't able to do in power, like cut uh, Social Security and, and Medicare. People forget about this grand compromise that uh, you know that that thankfully uh, didn't didn't go through. You know. Uh, I think he's, he's he played a role there that we shouldn't forget in 2020, putting Biden in power. Mm-hmm. Now it's too late, I think. It's way too late to say this, this, we need someone else um, to run in 2024. One, this campaign, this movement would have had to have happened with Biden's consent about a year ago. Two, it would have had to happen with Harris's consent, because it would look terrible— um, to say that uh, there's another Democrat more qualified than the actual vice president of the United States to be in the presidency, unless she was going along with it. And there would have had to have been a, a unity candidate put forward, and the American people would have had at least a year, year and a half to get to know them and, and, and get to um, wrap their heads around the person that the idea that there's a president in waiting from the same party as the current president. Yeah. None of that happened. It's way too late. Um uh, I, I think uh, we're, we're stuck with, with, with Biden. And I say that because I don't think he's the strongest um, candidate. But at this point, undermining him to try to put in a new candidate the same year as the election just uh, yeah. doesn't add up time-wise.
0: I've got some more Biden and Trump questions for you that I want to get to. One of them I think is pretty fascinating, Uh, at least I think it is. We'll see if the audience or you agree with me. Before I get to those questions, though, let me just ask you right quick, watching my clock, got about two minutes here. We can continue when we come forward. Uh, But when you say that there are a a couple of things that uh, Obama has done post-presidency that you're impressed with, Tell me what that is. and I say this respectfully. Um, uh, there are things he did as president that I that I uh, support. Uh, people know that I tried to hold him accountable on a number of different fronts. At this point, he's still young. But at this point, I've been underwhelmed. I've been underwhelmed by his post presidency. But I hear you say there are a couple of things he's done that sort of excite you. What, what are those things?
1: Well, it's very little. I was trying to be generous for your readers, for your listeners. <laughs> you, know, that, uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Because I'm quite critical, as, 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 as are you, I think rightly, of Obama and his legacy. But I think when we're in a conversation talking about Donald Trump, yeah. I think it's worth just saying the obvious that, all right, obviously, you know, Donald Trump is something unique. I would say one thing that he has done, which, which has been been good and under the radar, is his work um, uh, including work with Eric Holder around, um, uh, redistricting, yes. basically uh, fights against uh, the abuses of Republican, uh, gerrymandering. I think right. that's been really important. I think he said some good things on healthcare, climate change. Um, you know, he was pretty out in the open around, uh, Trump's decision to withdraw from, from the Paris agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there was a host of, of, of just statements that I think were well-timed. I think, his eulogy at the, the funeral of uh, John Lewis, I think, was, was one mm-hmm. of his better oratories, just period, that, mm-hmm. that, that we, we, we heard from him. Um, obviously, the other criticism that he's spending a lot of his time in his kind of elite networks and, in, and pursuing kind of media routes. In Hollywood, Hollywood, media. Hollywood, 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 yeah, yeah. Hollywood. Yes, yeah, exactly. I think those are all well, well, well taken.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I think he's spending too much. I, that's my, my that's my sense. I think that he is spending too much time in Hollywood on Hollywood projects. And I, I, I take nothing away from him. They were involved, as I recall, in that Rustin project for which Colin Domingo has been nominated uh, for Best Actor for playing Byrd Rustin. So I ain't mad about that. Um, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm waiting. And I, again, I'm prepared to give him time, but I'm waiting for him to be more like Jimmy Carter and to do more stuff that really matters. The gerrymandering stuff you know, is important. But to your point, they've been mostly statements. He's saying the right things here and there, but I'm I'm waiting for a more aggressive agenda. You've got so much goodwill. You've got so much clout. You've got so much power still to do so much more, particularly on behalf of black people. You sort of, you sort of ran away from that while you were president. Everybody remembers that. I ain't the president of black America. I'm the president of all America. Okay. We we let you have that for eight years, but now you're out and you got all this power and all this, and I want a more aggressive, ambitious agenda doing stuff for black people because you're still Barack Obama. So um, these statements are nice, but I'm looking for a more aggressive agenda. That's just me. Uh, but we're done with that now. Let me get back to Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And certainly, uh, certainly I've got more to put to Bosker when we come forward on Tavis Smiley.
2: More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned into Tavis, Tavis Smiley. Smiley.
0: Tavis Mani and Bhaskar Sankara, who's the founding editor of Jacobin and president of the nation. Uh, Delighted to have him on in this first hour to unpack a number of uh, trending political topics and themes. So let me circle back to Biden and Trump. Um, Neither of these guys are spring chickens. And I am I'm getting, frankly, annoyed by the fact that whenever Trump makes a misstatement or slip up or forgets somebody, um, the media doesn't pounce on that the way they do with Joe Biden. Uh, so both of these guys have their issues again, neither is a spring chicken. Here's my question that I've not asked of anyone as yet. Uh, but I, I get to ask it first of Bhaskar Sankara. So God forbid, but something happens to Joe Biden on the campaign trail or something happens to Donald Trump on the campaign trail. And even when I don't agree with anybody, agree with a person like Donald Trump on pretty much of anything, uh, I'm not a Trump fan as you well know but i don't wish anybody any harm i don't want anybody to fall dead on on the campaign trail but both of these guys have their issues let's just call it what it is take them one at a time bosker uh you mentioned kamala harris earlier we know that gavin newsom is hanging around there are others um pete Buttigieg would like to be present he ran before something happens to biden on the campaign trail what happens
1: Well, I think that it has to be Harris. It has to be the vice president. has to be the one to um, to step in. And again, um, I'm I'm critical of of both Biden and Harris's um, record. I think they've done, in some sense, better in in the White House than I anticipated, just because of how underwhelming a lot of their record was going going into uh, going into the White House. But um, yeah, listen, we have vice presidents for a reason. If there were serious concerns um about her that 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 should have been addressed before she was nominated as uh as vice president and i think she's been put in a tough situation in the sense of of people not really you know what what's what's a common uh what's the mo in the media or in the the general public discussion around harris it's that she's kind of a little one either like loopy or just a little, um, fake and indirect mm-hmm. and doesn't answer things directly. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a product of the situation she's been put into, because regardless of what you think about her positions, she's someone who's been able to clear, very clearly articulate what she believes in, you know, for the rest of her career before she entered the, the White House. But I, I think that's that's the only option for the Democratic Party, so- and it might mean a lost election in 2024. Uh, than um, someone else like a Newsom or, or other people just in a competitive uh, primary in, in, in 2028.
0: 20, so, so to your point, I mean, you say it should be the vice president. Should be is one phrase, but, but will be and ought to be is something totally different. Uh, I have a hard time imagining that Gavin Newsom and others would stand down just because she's the sitting vice president. I'm not buying that, Bosker.
1: I think if they're not certain that they could win, if they... End up putting up a challenge to um, to Biden or Harris, well in this scenario Harris, right. um, and they fall short, and then um, uh, Biden or Harris loses, then I think uh, they'd be blamed for it. I think it might hurt their chances in twenty twenty eight. Uh, a lot. Of, I'm not saying these people will stand down just because they think it's the right thing to do or for some kumbaya party mm-hmm. unity. They might stand down because it might be rational in their best interest to be the post-Trump president in 2028 and to get two clean terms uh, without having to worry about this, you know, the chaos of this season and also the, the extremely limited amount of time um, yeah. that they would have so, to campaign and be known as national figures.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And we're, we're, we're discussing this not because we want something to happen to Joe Biden, but we're facing reality. The guy's old and he's, he's frail. And anything could happen. And I'm raising this now because if something does happen, we wanna, you know, we, we wanna try to at least handicap what we think uh, might, ought or should happen. Again, I don't believe like Bosker does that uh, that people would stand down. Uh, again, I hear your point about, you know, stand, not standing down for any Kumbaya reasons. I don't think they stand down, period. Uh, and let me put it let me let me put it, let me put it in another frame. Not not only do I think they don't stand down, I don't think the democratic establishment uh, circles around Kamala Harris. There are going to be all sorts of factions in the Democratic Party. There would be if something were to happen. All sorts of factions that would be pulling for their individual candidates. And when you look at her numbers, when you look at her performance, uh, when you look at what some think would be a drag on the ticket, when you look at the fact that she is an African American woman, we know what all that all that portends. I just don't think she has a straight shot or a clean shot. Um, I don't think the party. I don't think the party. For all the stuff they talk about, you know, race and caring about the black vote and all that. I don't think in this moment up against Donald Trump, he's been vicious toward black women. Uh, I don't think in this moment the party stands down. I think there'd be factions within the Democratic Party pulling for various candidates. And I'm not so sure it's a foregone conclusion that she'd be the standard bearer if something does happen to Joe Biden. That's my read of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're 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 probably right. I think it would be pretty disastrous. I think it would be demoralizing for yep. a huge segment of uh, black voters. I think for others too, it'll just be the infighting. It, it it would just not be the best put forward right. uh, going up against a camp, uh, going against Donald Trump. You know, obviously on the left wing of the Democratic Party, you know, I'm a democratic uh, socialist. You know, I vote I vote Democrat more mm-hmm. often than not just because I, I have to and I live in New York and that's how we. We end up, uh, you know, I'll take the lesser of two evils if if, if necessary, as long mm-hmm. as it's part of a, a broader fight towards a more just just country. Yeah. But we don't really have um, an alternative on our wing. You know, no. we, we had the Bernie Sanders campaigns. We had, um, you know, a real opportunity to mainstream issues, issues that you've been talking about for a long time, like Medicare for All, mm-hmm. uh, like uh... you know you, uh, the the fact that you, you can't have a movement for freedom without a movement for jobs you know th- things that that has that obviously been a big part of your career i think bernie sanders was able to mainstream that but he's the same age as joe biden and both joe biden and bernie sanders as far as i know are closer in age to jimmy carter i think jimmy carter is ninety nine so closer in age to jimmy carter than they are to Barack Obama, who I think it's 61 or 62, which mm-hmm. is okay. you know pretty
0: That's pretty scary. striking. Yeah, it's pretty striking. Um, I, I the other thing I would add to this before I move to the Trump question, um, one if one assumes that something happens to Joe Biden and Kamala uh, becomes the vice president, becomes the standard bear, then you you're, what you what you what you're saying is that you, you believe the Democrats are going to put Kamala Harris up against Donald Trump. See that's that that's that I I I don't see that I do not see Democrats being comfortable with Kamala Harris taking on Donald Trump. I do not see it. I digress on Listen, that point. It's
1: a, it's a timing. It's a timing issue. But think about it this way: If something happens, God forbid, right. to President Biden um, this or next uh, month, then Harris, by the time the general election rolls around, would have already been acting president for uh, you know nine, ten months, right? Yep, yep, so. Yep. Every perception we might have about her, or the country might have about her, might change.
0: But that Maybe she'll not-
1: be in a crisis. Maybe she'll show strong uh, leadership. Maybe she'll be able to speak, uh, you know, a little bit more I get- truthfully. Makes it seem like she's being deceitful, but I think she's following a script that she doesn't fully believe in, and that's why you're getting a lot of those moments where it just seems like she's unclear about about. Ideas that we know for a fact that she's I got, she's a relatively young person who's you agree or disagree with her. She she you know is smart. You know yeah. she she. I think a lot of this uh, might have to do with with, with, with but, circumstance, and that might might change. But now you got me in a contrarian mood, defending <laughs> the prospect for I got, for Kamala Harris uh, presidency. You no, know, I this, got, this is not what I'm shooting for, for what it's worth.
0: I got two words for you, Ted Kennedy. Uh, she might be if something happens to Joe Biden on the campaign trail. You're right. Um, She'd become the president and she would be uh, then campaigning uh, for president as a sitting president. I I take your point. And yet that did not stop Ted Kennedy uh, from running against Jimmy Carter, uh, the aforementioned Jimmy Carter. So I'm not sure I see it that way. Uh, When we come forward, though, I want to ask the flip side of that, because I said neither of these guys are spring chicken. So there's our conversation, Bosker and yours truly, about what we think might happen if something happens to Joe Biden on the campaign trail. The other question, obviously, is what happens if something happens to Trump on the campaign trail. All these guys have dropped out, except Haley, and right now there's no path to her, no path for her to win. But if something were to happen to Donald Trump on the campaign trail, or if he, I can't see this either, if he's convicted in one of these cases, things speed up, something happens, the Supreme Court rules against him, and he finds himself in more trouble because he can't claim immunity, that he is in fact convicted, what happens on the Republican side? So we're talking about these guys, biden and trump as the presumptive nominees of their party and they are but they're old and if something happens where do we go from there more of the Boska sankara of the nation magazine when we come forward on tavis smile you're listening to tavis
2: smile number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in america yeah, yeah, yeah. Helping to, Helping make, to you make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Tavis
0: Smiley and Bosca Sankara of The Nation. I just uh, said moments ago I was going to ask Bhaskar a Trump question. How is this for timing? I'm getting ready to ask Bhaskar that Trump question. But there is breaking news about Donald Trump uh, that I need to share with you right quick. Uh, Trump White House official Peter Navarro has been sentenced to four months in prison for defying a House January 6th subpoena. Um, he... Um, Uh, was uh, convicted of contempt of Congress for refusing to cooperate with uh, a congressional investigation into the January 621 attack uh, on the U.S. Capitol and was sentenced uh, just moments ago to four months behind bars. He is now the second Trump aide convicted of contempt of Congress charges after former White House advisor Steve Bannon uh, also got a four-month sentence, but he is free pending appeal. So these convictions of the folk around donald trump slowly uh are starting to uh uh, to unfold so again uh uh, trump aide number two convicted uh of uh, of a of a a crime in this case contempt of congress uh first the bannon again free on appeal but now peter navarro sentenced uh, just moments ago to four months behind bars so the all the folk around uh the president former president are starting to get their uh their comeuppance. Uh, I digress on that for now, but I want to share that breaking news with you. So, Baskier, watching my time, he's getting away from me. We talked about Joe Biden. Again, no, no youngin' uh, and what might happen to him, uh, what might happen to the Democratic Party, I should say, uh, if something were to happen to him. So now the flip side. Uh, something happens to Donald Trump on the campaign trail between now and November. Uh, something happened physically. Uh, something happens in terms of a conviction in court. Then what?
1: I think then the Republican Party elites are probably back in charge. And if Nikki Haley, uh, that's probably the game she's playing. That's her 5% chance to become president. You know, mm-hmm. the 10% chance Trump is a- unable to, to run for their health or legal reasons. Um, and, uh, you know, 50-50 chance she could, she could win in a in general election. That's, that's why she's in the race, I think. But Trump, which is not that unusual for big populist sort of figures, He didn't have a successor waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. Actually, these kind of figures, they don't want successors waiting in the wings. (laughs) Because what if he gets a little bit more erratic, a little bit more dangerous?
0: Um,
1: There's always a chance that someone could come in and say, all right, we'll just take number two, because he'll be able to bring along most of your base, and he won't give us that kind of trouble. So just like any other kind of strongman, Trump, Trump doesn't have a successor. I think a lot of Trumpism probably dies with him, because... If you think about what Trumpism is in theory, Trumpism is trying to make the Republican Party more uh, more of a working class appeal. And obviously some of this is through these xenophobic and racially coded appeals, but some of this is sort of the uh, kind of the system is rigged and it's not working for you appeals that obviously has, has grains of truth to it. And in theory that's what Trumpism is, but in practice Trumpism has been nothing more than business republicanism. He's done tax cuts for the rich. Uh, right now, there's a big story in the Financial Times came out this morning, uh, and the gist of it is that Wall Street is um, kind of figuring out how to how to back and yeah. put their money behind Trump. Yeah. So, you know, this guy, if he, if he gets in power, he's not governing that much more different than Mitt Romney. You know, the the difference is his rhetoric, his bluster, and maybe the the higher probability of some sort of erratic foreign policy move.
0: Yep. When we come forward our remaining moments of Bhaskar Sankara of The Nation magazine, uh, back to that comedy made earlier, uh, that the progressive uh, uh, coalition is much looser. Uh, What do we make of that headed toward November with Cornel West out there and RFK and even Dean Phillips? We'll talk about that on Tavis
2: Smiley. Seeking, the, Seeking truth. the truth, speaking, speaking the, truth. the truth, this this is the Tavis, is the Tavis, Smiley, Tavis, Show. Tavis Smiley Show. Show. May fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley.
0: Tavis Smiley and Bosker Sankar with three minutes to go here, Bosker. Um, your comment earlier that uh, on the progressive side of things, we have a more loose coalition. Indeed, we do, but there are a bunch of folk out there running. Uh, In an election that's going to be as close as this one likely will be, uh, assuming that uh, Biden and Trump make it to the finish line, you've got Cornel West out there. You've got RFK Jr. out there. You've got Jill Stein out there. You've got Marianne Williamson out there. You've got Dean Phillips out there. And again, none of those are Trump and Biden. They don't have the, uh, the, the apparatus of a party establishment behind them. But in a close race, a percent here, a percentage there, a percentage there makes a difference.
1: Yeah, I think I think Kennedy, if he is able to get into the, you know, on enough ballots, I think he could make a difference. But if it's between Trump and Biden, he might split relatively evenly between potential Trump voters, potential Biden um, voters. Um, Stein, you know, she's ran multiple, multiple times in the Green Party mm-hmm. banner. I, I don't think she was able to swing an election. I think everyone has a right to, you know, run on the Libertarian Party, run on the Green Party. Uh, people have that, that right, and, and they have the right to present that choice to voters, but most voters are going to realize that it's a rational choice in swing states to vote for the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really do think that, that Professor West, is he's... His role in the United States as a public intellectual these last, especially the last 10 years, has gotten more and more prominence in this this role, uh, has been as a voice of conscience, a voice of reason, a voice for uh, equality and respect in America, which has been incredibly valuable. I think it's telling that he's completely sidelined this campaign. And part of this is obviously the media not wanting to pay attention to a third-party candidate, But I can't help but think that if he was running in a Democratic Party primary, um, that it would have forced Biden to maybe do a couple debates. It might have forced Biden at least to try to address some of these core issues that um, I think Cornell West has that would resonate with ordinary voters. That's why I was a little disappointed that he ran third party instead of, uh, figuring it out, would have had to start a year and a half, two years ago, how to um, you know, dig yeah. through the Democratic yeah. Party primary, because even if it's rigged, you're still going to get yeah. uh, that bully pulpit out there.
0: Well, that's that's a, We're out of time here, but that, that is his calculus, as you know. He's been on this program a number of times, and obviously um, a personal friend of mine, but his calculus was, as I understand it, he didn't consult me on this, but his calculus was that it was rigged. Uh, he didn't want to get maltreated the way Bernie was. And, of course, Bernie covered a lot of ground. But Dr. West just figured that the Democratic Party um, uh, would crush him uh, and wouldn't give him any opportunity to be heard. And so he didn't quite see it the way that you see it, although I understand your point, And it's, it's credible. Uh, but he um, chose to run um, as an independent, and it is what it is. We shall see. Bosca Sankara, always an honor to have you on this program. He's the founding editor of Jacobin and president of The Nation magazine. bosca have a great rest of the day, man. I appreciate your time as always, sir.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you on. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.